morning. Good morning to all of you that are here and to all of you that join us online uh, as well. We're glad that uh, uh, you're with us and uh, just thank you, uh, Scott, and to the church, uh, Pastor Appreciation. I'll tell you honestly, always makes me feel a little awkward because it kind of points at us, you know. Uh, but, but for this moment, let me say, we consider it a great privilege and an honor to have you call us pastor. Uh, pastor is a title that you you give to us. I mean, you can earn degrees, but pastor is a relationship. And so uh, just thank you so much. It is a huge privilege to, to pastor all of you who are here and to those of you that are online uh, as, as well. Well, um, this Sunday, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of do a one-off kind of sermon. Uh, and I'm going to do one of those one-off sermons that, that as soon as you see the title is going to make you uncomfortable. Uh, I want to talk about, um, whoops, we'll get there. I want to talk about Jesus and politics. And Jesus and politics gets both of the things you're not supposed to talk about. You're not supposed to talk about religion, but I do that all the time. And you're not supposed to talk about politics. But I thought this morning uh, that I, I would do that. And I need to uh, tell you uh, right off the bat, I'm, I'm indebted to Andy Stanley uh, for some of the stuff I'm going to say today. He just really helped me kind of think through some of that. Uh, and, and I also need to say uh, that I say every election, uh, I encourage you to vote and to vote your faith. Okay, vote and vote your, your faith. Uh, we received our ballots uh, yesterday in the mail, um, and uh, I'll probably fill it out this afternoon since there's no Seahawks game, uh, and I'll mail it uh, tomorrow. It'll go in the mail. I encourage all Christians to vote and vote your faith. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, um, over the, the last number of weeks, uh, in a way that I've never seen before, and I've been a pastor a long time, uh, people have been streaming through my office and calling me with a huge amount of anxiety and fear and anger over the election and the things that are going on uh, in the world around us today. Uh, and so uh, I, I thought I needed to kind of speak into that because it's, it's just really been amazing to me how many people are, are really, really struggling through all of this. Um, and and the, the, the difficulty, um, number one, uh, fear and anger don't come from God, they come from the devil, right? So that, that's a problem in and of itself, that's a spiritual problem. Peace and love come from God. Uh, but, but in addition to that, fear and anger can often lead to division in the church as people decide who's with them and, and who's not with them. You know, it used to be whoever's not against me is for me, but it seems like it's kind of turned into whoever's not for me is against me, which is a whole different way of kind of coming at that. And so um, the difficulty is when we have this divide in the church, when people divide up over politics, that becomes a spiritual problem. And it is not my job to tell you how to vote. Many of you can figure things out much better than I can. But when it steps into the spiritual realm, then, then it's something that, that I, I need to address. And so this morning I want to do kind of a deeper dive into uh, the politics of Jesus or, or Jesus' politics. And it begins with this question. This is, this is one of the, what they call a clarifying kind of question uh, because it really decides about whether or not we're going to do this from a Christian perspective or we're going to do it from a secular perspective. And that is this. Are you willing to put the teaching of Jesus ahead of your political beliefs? Are you willing to put the teaching of Jesus ahead of your political beliefs? Or does your, politi does your politics come under the lordship of Jesus? That's another way of saying it. Does your politics come under the lordship of Jesus? Or are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of your faith? Or do you want to bend the teaching of Jesus to fit your politics? And honestly, that's what politicians do on both sides of the whole thing. 
Maybe we need to reevaluate our politics in light of Jesus' teaching. And we need to be willing to follow Jesus when he goes to places that create space between us and our political party or our favorite politician. I'm going to cough, Scott. And I'm not here to change your minds. That is not my job in all of this. But the pastor's role is to help you hear Jesus in the midst of all of this and what he would have to say. So if your politics don't come under the lordship of Jesus, then your politics, honestly, and you you love your pastor, right? I hope you still love your pastor. But if your politics don't come under the lordship of Jesus, then your politics leave you in one of two ways. Either you're not a Christian or you're struggling with idolatry. Because anything that becomes between the lordship of Jesus and us is an idol. Amen? We have lots of idols in our world today, but this is just, this is what's one. So, um, I, I famous black preacher by the name of Tony Evans. How many of you have ever heard of Tony Evans? Tony Evans, speaking to this issue, just hit it out of the park. I feel like I could just make you all say this ten times and I could just stop with the sermon. But here's what Tony Evans said. Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. Amen? Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. And the truth of the matter is this. No party, political party, completely lines up with the kingdom of God. We must be kingdom first people. Amen? Over our political party. That's the second thing. In fact, both political parties advocate policies that align with biblical teaching and both political parties advocate policies that are sinful in light of biblical teaching. And depending on your perspective, people will come down differently on all of those. But here's what I know. Nothing divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. And much of politics is about creating fear in people. How many of you have watched the news lately and felt your anxiety level go up while you were watching the news? I'm, you know, I'm trying to stay off the news, but it just, it has that effect. And, and so the, the way politicians come at this is through fear and, and, and anger. And those are not of God. They are of the other guy. They're of, of the devil. And that, so the message becomes, again, on both sides, don't vote for that guy because bad things are going to happen. The world is going to fall apart. Everything's going to blow up. You know, it's going to be terrible for all of us. And, and, and then we have fear, you know. And then we get enough fear and we get anger. And then you get enough anger and anger often leads to sin. And so I want to take us this morning to the words of Jesus as found in, in John. Uh, and, and this is one of my favorite passages, John 17. Uh, because it's what's called the high priestly prayer. It's the end of Jesus' ministry and he's going to pray one more prayer over his disciples. This is, this is the, the one where you just, you know it's a big deal because he's about to go back. Uh, to the Father, and he's going to leave them here. And so these words are, are really, really, all of the words of Jesus are important, but these words are really important. So let me, let me walk through this. Um, again, Jesus is, is praying for the disciples as he leaves. I pray for them, that's the disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. So he's praying for, for the disciples, and ultimately we'll see for all, everyone who follows him. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. So that basically that's kind of an idiom for the work has been completed. It, it's finished. He's done everything he's supposed to do. Uh, it, it, it's, it's done, and he's ready to go back to the Father. 
And he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but, and here's the really important part, they are still in the world. Father, I, I'm coming back to you and the temptation is over and the pain is over and the suffering is over. But my disciples, these that have followed me, they've got to still live in the world with all of the ugliness and all of the suffering and all of the, the horrible sin and all of the stuff that, that just... Can somebody say amen? Do we live in a confused and broken world or am I just think I'm making this up here, you know? We, we just, if you look around, you know, watch the news. That'll scare you from just the brokenness. And, and he's saying, Father, they're still going to be in the world. And because they have to live in the world, um, I, I, I need to give them something to, to survive living in this broken, awful world. So he goes on. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, okay? Protect them by the power of your name. Say, protect them by the power of your name. Protect Yeah. Isn't that cool? Of all the things he could give to protect them, he said the power of his name. Uh, but by the, by the name of Jesus. Say Jesus. That is the most powerful name in, in the world. Protect them by the power of your name. He didn't say protect them by giving them great armies or making them really smart or giving them lots of material wealth, you know, wealth or great you know, insurance plans or whatever, letting them live in really safe neighborhoods or let them never be in a place where they're in danger or they have to suffer. He said, protect them by the power of your, your name. Can I just say something? Your political party is not going to protect you. It is the power of the name of Jesus that will protect you. So why do we have anxiety? Jesus is our protector in, in all of this. And, and just uh, protect them by the power of your name. Let's say that together. Protect them by the power of your name, that you gave, um, the name you gave me. Okay, and he goes on, so that, okay, so the reason for all of this is going, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. The last prayer, the last thing he prays for them is that they would be one. Of all the things he could pray for, that's the one he prays for, which means it's super, super, super important for them. So now I need to say something that, that, that again, I need to say, you love your pastor, right? I love that we, I, this sermon worked out on, on Pastor Appreciation Day, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's good. So let me, let me say this, and this is where I made, as my dad used to say, give up preaching and go to meddling just a little bit. But here's what I know. Your politics are not so important that can, they can be allowed to break the unity of the church. They can't. You know, Jesus barely spoke about things political. I mean, he said, you know, obey those in authority over you. And he said, you know, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, those sorts of things. But, but he really didn't talk a, lo a lot about those things. Because honestly, it wasn't important enough. What mattered to Jesus was the kingdom of God. And the unity of the church was essential to that. And by the way, by unity, I don't mean that we agree with each other. We do not always agree with each other. Have you noticed? You know, on all kinds of things, certainly on politics. There, within this church, we move from people on the far left to people on the far right, and I think there's everything in between in this church. We don't always agree. In fact, we don't agree about all kinds of things. In fact, some of you, some of you I'm a little concerned about because you like vegetables, how can you be a Christian and like vegetables? Did you read the curse in Genesis? That was one of the curses, was the vegetables. 
You know, well, that may be a little twist of scripture, but, but we just disagree. I don't even agree with myself that five years ago I've changed my mind about some things. So, so it's not about agreeing, but here's what unity is. Unity is embracing this truth. What unites us is vastly more important than what divides us. What unites us is vastly more important than what divides us, okay? We can disagree about vegetables, but we can't disagree about the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's essential to the church. We can't disagree about the fact that we must love each other. That is commanded by Christ. We have all these fears of these things we're going to lose, and it, it gets up in us, and we get fearful, and then we get angry, and then we begin to strike out. Honestly, politicians are peddling fear to polarize us, to get us to vote the way they want us to vote, you know? They, they, they be afraid of these people because the world will fall in if you don't vote for us, and be afraid of those people because everything will go wrong if you don't vote for us. And, and it's, it, it's all the same, you know? They want us to blame the problems we face on the people who are not like us. Different political party. Different fallout. Liberals, it's all their fault. Conservatives, clearly they have a problem. People from other countries, it must be their fault. That's not the way Jesus did it. In fact, there's a, there's a very dangerous progress when we start to do that. And it, it goes like this. It starts out with labeling people. You give them a label. He's a liberal or he's a conservative, or they're a troublemaker, or whatever. You know, anyone ever been labeled? I, I was labeled. You've heard, some of you have heard my story. I had ADHD, and so I got labeled. I was put into special education, all of those, those sorts of things. And labeling is one thing. But, but labeling has a tendency to lead to the second thing, which is then we dismiss them. Because they're a liberal, I don't have to listen to their opinion. I can just shut them down right there. I see this all the time when people uh, debate things about politics. Well, that's liberal, as if that settles the issue, right? Or that's conservative, as if that settles the issue. Well, they're conservative, so they can't have a good idea, so we don't got to listen to them, you know? So we dismiss them. You label them, and then you dismiss them. And then it takes an even uglier turn. The next thing that happens is we dehumanize them. Well, they don't count as a person. There, there's something wrong with them, you know? But liberals, they must have a, have a brain disease. Conservatives, they don't care about people. They're, they're not worth it. You know, they don't... We, we begin to dehumanize them. And then the last step is we begin to abuse them. And this is the same process. This is a process that sociologists will talk about that leads to things like the Holocaust, that leads to things like slavery in America that leads to all kinds of uh, abuses. And so I just, I just want you to know, do you know what causes fear for me? When I see Christians start going down this path of labeling people and then dismissing them, and then they begin to talk like those people are worthless, and I know the next step is abusing them in some sort of way. And sometimes today, honestly, the abuse comes out verbally. I have seen some things on social media and heard some Christians say some stuff, that I wanted to step away from them for fear God was going to strike them down because of the way they talked about other followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Here it is. Here's Jesus' way. The way of Jesus is to love and value everyone. Amen? Do you know that God died for the people and the other political party for you, from you? Some of you are saying, yeah, he really needed to, you know. He, he died for the people that drive you crazy. He died for people that don't look like us and don't talk like us and all of that. 
The Bible says, whoever comes may be saved. It doesn't matter about your country of origin or your language, your culture, your skin country, color, or your politics. In fact, Jesus dreamed of a church that was wildly diverse. Wildly diverse. That's why he made us with all kinds of colors and shapes and all of that sort of thing. And we want to be that kind of church. So hear me. We are allowed to disagree politically. Thanks be to God. Amen? Because every one of you think you're right about your politics. Right? Because if you don't think you're right, but you're holding on to the position anyway, then there's something wrong, okay, with you. We're, we're allowed to disagree politically, but we are commanded to love unconditionally. And that's hard. I mean that hard. That's hard. And that includes our political enemies. So um, let me give you this. The government will never save you or anyone else. Amen? Even if we could get the government to create all of the laws just the way we want them. And this is where sometimes us conservatives need to kind of let's think about this. We, you know, if, we could just get, if we could just get enough people on the Supreme Court to outlaw abortion, it would be wonderful and revival would break out in the land. That won't help. You know why? Because Israel had God make their laws and they still sinned. It won't work. That's why Jesus had to come. Because no matter what you do, if you get all the laws to perfectly match the Bible, people will still sin. Because sin is not an issue of the external. Sin is an issue of the heart. Scripture says that it's conceived here and then it goes out there. And you can make laws so they'll hide it. But, but this heart is where the real issue is. It's not a matter of the law. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, should we withdraw from... No, don't withdraw from politics. Vote. Vote your faith. But the outcome belongs to God. Okay, we all should have said amen more than that because that's really good news. Vote. Vote your faith. But the outcome belongs to God. That is such good news. You are not responsible to fix the government. Woo! You know? Hallelujah. You should be dancing in the aisles at this point, you know? You are responsible to vote because you are given a voice. And it's just a tiny, tiny, tiny little voice. But we're responsible to vote. But the outcome belongs to God. In fact, Scripture says that God appoints our leaders. Amen? And that's good news when it's a leader you think is the right leader. But it's also true when it's a leader you don't think is the right leader. I mean, I've been in this church now through into our second president, and they couldn't be further <laughs> apart from Obama to Trump, right? You know? I hope you have prayed for both. Amen? Okay? And, and I hope you recognize that God appointed both. That's what Scripture says. And whoever gets elected at the end of this in a few weeks, that will be God's appointment. Amen? Okay. So just so we understand that, the only hope of real change is transformational encounter with the living God. The government will never save you or anyone else. So, if your politics get in the way of God's mission, then you have a spiritual problem. If, if it gets in the way of what God wants to do, you know, um, and, and, and this is just really important, and I've said this several times, but it was one of those things when I read it, it just, it just really, it felt like somebody had punched me in the gut. But, but I've told you this before. When they go out and they poll unbelievers and they ask them, what is an evangelical or what does evangelical mean? And unbelievers say it's a political party. That breaks my heart. 
because that means we have been sending the wrong message. We didn't mean to send that message, but we sent a message that they think what we're about is politics. In fact, that borders on sacrilege because what we are about is the message of Jesus. Amen? In fact, the very word evangelical was coined for people like us because the mainline churches had seemed to have moved away from bringing to Jesus and they got caught on all kinds of other stuff. So we identified ourselves as evangelical. We're about evangelism. And I worry that today we find ourselves in the exact same spot. They got hung up on on the liberal politics. The conservative church is hung up on the conservative politics. But it's the same place. If we miss the message of Jesus, we've missed what the church is about. Amen? That's at the heart of it. And there's a deep concern that we sacrifice the mission of the church to spread the good news for a political message. And that would be sin. We've maybe been preaching the wrong message. We didn't mean to. I don't think anybody meant to. I've known lots of pastors that are really onto the political thing, but they, they mean to preach Jesus, but the message that gets through is the political one. And I am reminded that Jesus' final high priestly prayer for us was not that we would wield political power, but that the Father would make us one. That we would be like him. In fact, it goes on. I'm going to skip down now in in chapter 17 to verse 20. It says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? The faith got passed down from generation to generation to generation. And someday somebody told you about the good news in Jesus Christ and you gave Jesus your heart. So so he's praying for us, okay? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. And here's the purpose for that. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that people will put their faith in Jesus Christ. They will believe the message. They will believe what has happened. And they will be changed from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so at the heart of this is make them one so that people will come to know Christ as Savior. That's what that says in all of that. So this is the thing. When we talk about oneness, how many of you love the fellowship in the body of Christ? I love the fellowship in the body of Christ. I've grown up in the church all of my life. I love my church. I love all the churches I've been a part of. We just care for each other and we love one another. And for a lot of my life, when I read make them one, that's what I thought Jesus said. Why are are they going to be made one? They should be made one because the fellowship is so good, right? And what a blessing that God was giving on us. I I read that as a blessing. This, This got completely turned upside down for me while I was preparing this message. And Andy Stanley said this, and that just, it blew me out of the water. He said this, Jesus didn't pray for oneness because he wanted to do something in us, but because he wanted to do something through us. Because he wanted to reach a lost and broken world. And the only way that could happen is if people who are far from God would look at Jesus' followers and say, they've got something different something going on in them. Look, look how they love one another in spite of all their faults. Oh boy, do they have faults. But look how they love one another, how they're together, how they can disagree about things and yet still come together 
How, how they can argue politics and, and then get along. I, I, I remember a day. I've been in the church a long, long time. I remember as a kid growing up in the little bitty church I grew up in. I remember my dad and some of the other men in the church arguing politics. And they would argue about it, you know, at the end of the service. Da, 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 da. And you know how those arguments ended? Where are we going to do lunch, guys? That's how those arguments ended. That was the end of the argument. You know, because they loved each other, because there was oneness in, in the midst of all of that. Jesus didn't pray for oneness because he wanted to do something in you. But because he wanted to do something through you to the world around us. Our unity is essential to the witness in the world. They will know and follow Jesus because of our love for one another. In fact, what is at stake when we get divided is the very mission of God on earth. What is at stake when we get divided is the very mission of God on earth. When that hit me, that last line is mine, but I got it from reading this one here. I sat in my chair and kind of went, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All of my life I've misunderstood what I thought was a blessing for me and was actually a mission from God to go in, in oneness. So I know, I, I believe, I believe the hope of our nation is not a political party, but the message of Jesus Christ. That's the hope of our nation. You want to turn our nation around? Vote. That's a good thing. But bring somebody to Jesus. As followers of the eternal king, why would we allow our message of real hope to be usurped by, by a temporary king or a president or senators or house members or governors or on and on and on? Every one of those will pass away. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and and Jesus Christ will still be King of Kings on November 4th, whatever the election is, and November 5th, and on and on and on. I, uh, I sat down and kind of added up how many presidents I've lived under. I was born in 1959. Okay, I'm old. I get that. But under Eisenhower. There was Eisenhower, and there was Kennedy, and then there was Johnson, and then there was Nixon, and then there was Ford, and then there was Carter, and then there was Reagan, and then there was Bush number one, and then there was Clinton, and then there was Bush number two, and then there was Obama, and now there's Trump. Presidents come and go, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Let me read to you from Hebrews. Here's the hope, and I know this has been kind of a heavy message, but here's the hope. Here's the thing to cling on to. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is so powerful. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I love the imagery, and the imagery here is not only this church, but it is the church triumphant. All of those who have gone before, the image is like being in a, an athletic stadium that's actually filled with all the believers in every language and every color and every culture that's cheering us on as we run our race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Uh-oh. There's sometimes where I really don't like what Scripture says. Because it says, easily entangles. And if it's easy to entangle, I probably get caught up in it. Easily entangles. We have this idea, we are all together, it never gets us. But if it says easily entangles, that means I need to pay attention. Because I can get entangled in all of that, okay? 
and let us run with perseverance. That means uh, going through, not getting sidetracked, not getting off the course. The race marked for us, and here's the hope, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Say, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yes, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how we get past fear and anger. That, that's how we get past being distracted by all of this stuff, is to have a single laser focus on Jesus. Because it is by his name that we are protected, amen? Not by politicians or any of that other stuff. It's, it's by the name of Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why should I be afraid if my eyes are fixed on Jesus? If my eyes are fixed on the nightly news, I'm going to be afraid, you know? But if my eyes are fixed on Jesus, no. Governments and politicians matter, but not as much as the message and life of Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on him. So let me just give you some practical advice. Um, how many of you have decided who you're going to vote for? You're not in the undecided category anymore. Good. Turn off the TV and get off social media. Because you've already made a decision. It's not like you're considering it anymore, right? And all those things do is give you anxiety, which then leads to fear, which then leads to anger, which then leads to sin. So I'm really serious. Stop watching the news. Stop looking at social media. There's some horrible stuff on social media. Only about half of it is true. and Maybe that's true of the news as well. I don't know. Not my job. But I am telling you, we need to tap down the level of emotion in the body of Christ. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But it's so important because when that emotional level goes up, it causes us to justify saying things to one another and to alienating one another, to label, you know, and, and, and then we go right down that, that whole road through all of that. So here's, uh, here's my, my prayer for us, for all of us. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Make us one body so that the world will know by our love of the authenticity of Jesus Christ and the power to change a life. And if our musicians would come. Heavenly Father, make us one so that all of Marysville can know about Jesus. Amen? May, may, may they see in us the love we have for one another and go, those folks have something different. And I want that. Rather than a political message that automatically alienates everybody on the other side. When we become known for our politics, whichever side it is, if we become known for our, our conservative politics, it makes it very hard to reach liberals. And if we become known for our liberal politics, it makes it very hard to reach conservatives. Because they do that very sort of thing. They label, oh, they're conservatives, so now I can dismiss them. Now I don't have to pay attention to them anymore. I don't have to listen to their message because they're conservatives. But when they look at us and they say, those people love so much, then they want some of that. That's why it says, make us one so that we can reach many. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Amen? Okay, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to do a blessing together. But, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to pray something for you that you don't want me to pray for you today. Right? Now, normally most people like their pastor to pray for them, but you're not going to like what I pray for today. So I just want to warn you so when this happens, you will be alert to this. I am going to be praying for you this week. 
that God would put someone in your path to love unconditionally from the other political party. Nobody said amen in the 8 o'clock service either. I'm going to pray that God is going to put somebody in your path to love unconditionally from the other political party because loving them unconditionally is more important than your politics. Amen? That God would give us a little exercise in all of this. And then we're going to pray a blessing on one another. I, I don't know whether you're going to talk about this exactly, but we're going to do that song, the blessing song. And I want you to pray this to, I want you to sing it to one another. Singing and prayer are really the same kind of thing. I want you to maybe look around and sing it to one another. I want you to think about some people that you would like to pronounce this blessing on them as, as we sing. Would you do that? I mean, at the end, I pronounce a benediction. I'm, I'm just going to give you the last little part of mine today because I think this is so powerful. This is something I'd kind of like to build into our church, that we sing the benediction over one another. And if it weren't COVID, I'd have you go lay hands on people and bless them or, or raise them out. But, but I just want you to bless one another. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I pray that you would make us one so that we can influence many, so that the world would know. Forgive us that we've garbled the message and the wrong message has been received, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would make us clear about the greatness of our God to the world around us that loves them, whether they're conservative or liberal or Green Party or some other party, Lord, that you just love them and you want to make a difference in their life, Father, because we really do believe that Jesus Christ is the only hope of the world and that we have that message, Father. So allow us, Father, to, to have our opinions, Father. Give us uh, insight. Help us to learn and grow and make informed decisions. Help us to vote, Father, and to vote our faith. But never let that get in the way of the message of Jesus Christ that you have handed down. Thank you, Father, that politicians are temporary. <laughs> Thank you, Father, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Father, I ask this week that you would put into my life and into the life of everyone who's a part of this church Someone we can love unconditionally that's from a different political party than us. And out of that, Father, I pray that you would bring fruit for the kingdom, Father, and that you would expand your work on earth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's bless one another.